Welcome to Marketing for Your Boring Business, presented by All-in-One Social Media, where marketing professionals and industry leaders discuss what you can do to help your message get seen in a cluttered newsfeed. Join us each week to learn more about social media, online marketing, trending topics, and tips to grow your online marketing efforts. Now here's your host, Desiree Martinez. Welcome to another episode of Marketing for Your Boring Business, helping your message get seen in a cluttered newsfeed. We talk about story. We talk about content. We talk about where you should be distributing all of your fantastic stories and things that you need to share. But at what point do you ask people to buy from you? When do you ask for the sell? I'm talking today with Brian Fanzo, who is all about the social media fan life. He 100% preaches and lives and breathes and probably beats people over the head with be a fan first. And I I have to say, that's the reason I actually was able to get him on the show today. I'm a fan of his. I've been following him for a long time. And he did this podcast that lines up with today's topic, where he told me exactly how to ask him to be on the show, which felt like a sign. And so I did. And so he's here today to talk with us about how to ask for the sell in social media. Brian Fanzo talks fast and tweets faster. He is a translator of Geek Speak and a self-proclaimed change evangelist. This also happens to be a a pager-wearing millennial and founder of iSocial Fans. Brian is a millennial keynote speaker that has spoken at more than 50 events in over 10 countries since 2016 and also hosts two podcasts himself called Smack Talk and FOMO Fans. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you for having me. I, I love that you listened to it. You did it correctly. And see, it worked, right? And I think that's, uh, if those that are listening here to this episode, uh, I don't like social media or really digital if it's not to uh, ultimately reach an end goal. Whatever your might, goal might be, it might be business, business, word of mouth, it might be to create community, whatever it is, I'm about uh, doing things in you know tangible ways and then actually having results. And so you, we've already lived that here, uh, having me on. So I'm excited to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. Yes. So us boring business owners really struggle with getting, I think, our return on investment in social media. We know we have to be there. We might not always understand why we have to be there, but we're there. You know, we're investing all of the things that we preach every week on the show, which is having a good quality website and using custom images and having an option on your website. But the main chunk of it is in social media. So how do we lay, like, what does the foundation of the social media need to look like before we ask people to, to give us their money? So I think, you know, and I, I think for those that are listening, I think the, the landscape has changed drastically, right? I think for the last nine years or so, we've been using social media to kind of distance ourselves from our consumer. We say, hey, you know, how do we, how do we get them to opt in? How do we get them just to like this post? How do we take less phone calls and more emails, right? And I think we're now shifting. We realize a lot has to do with live video, but as a whole, we're realizing not only do people buy from people that they like, they also buy from people that they can relate to or a business that they can understand will help them solve a problem. And so I think if you're looking at things now, today in in the landscape of 2018, don't think about this advice as, man, I've been doing it wrong all these years. It's because that's the way that things had been. And the the advice that I'm going to share for me is how we can move the needle forward. And I think one of the things initially is, you know, you have to give or be part of the conversation 
ultimately before someone knows they need you or even are going to hire you, especially in what you were calling boring businesses, which I love. You know, I get to I get to work with a wide range of businesses from the big enterprise technology to, you know, a small mom and pop uh, embroidery store um, to, you know, some of the more sexy companies where I got, I got to do stuff with Applebee's and Samsung. But there's an element here, which I really think that when you start off thinking about social media and you're like, why am I there? What is this all about? I think the first one is you need to be there because when people are coming to look for you, it used to be, well, if I'm not there, they'll find me somewhere else. And I believe today they're not going to go somewhere else. If they're not there, if you're not on a channel, they look at you as not caring, not that you're not there, right? And that's a shift a little bit in the, in the overall premise. And then I think the other part of this as we move this conversation to the next piece is how can I be helpful or proactive to be a part of someone's conversation so that when they do need me, when push comes to shove, I, I worked with a, a, a company that was a funeral home, right? And the funeral home was like, how do we make this work? And we're definitely not sexy. And majority of the time, people are, are purchasing you know, us during the worst times of their life. And I, I broke it down to what they're in the business of, of the business of trust, Right, and how do you establish trust before the, that that massive thing happens in that person's life? And and a lot of it ends up being, you know, sharing and giving long before they need you. And I think that's where I look at social media today is when you're able to do that, it kind of connects these dots to kind of build them through that trust pipeline uh, down the future. So, what are some of the things that you think people like just like required to do to build trust? So, I think the first one is put a human face on your brand. You know, um, people do not trust a logo. They don't trust, you know, when I work with a company, a lot of, this happens in small business all the time. Well, Brian, we are, we, are, we are trusted in our community. Our logo is everything. Everyone knows when they see that logo on the side of a truck or they see it on our employee's uniform, that that, that is you know, representation to who we are. In the digital world, that logo does not convey trust. If I don't know you, I haven't figured out your business. And the only thing I know about you is a logo that is, it's a disconnect, right? So I'm a big believer in having, you know, it's as simple as just on the contact page, having a picture of your employees or the founder or having the story of why the business was there. I think to establish trust, trust is, 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 is built between people to people. And especially in today's day and world where I think that oftentimes, you know, I work with businesses, one of the things they ask me is, Brian, I want to help inspire these millennial Gen Zs to buy from us in the store, not on Amazon. And if you're, if you're trying to look at that, and this is a perfect example, is that you need to you know, kind of understand that the reason they're going to get out of their house, not click the button, get in their car and drive to your store is because of the people behind the business. Oftentimes, the price might be the same. Maybe the, the reputation, it's, it's that people. And, and also, this is the, the start. You know, once you put a face on a business, when you're asking someone for a recommendation, when it's coming from a person that just created a great service or an experience for them, they're much more likely to say yes. So when, when I say that, you know, it kind of sounds floppy, like what, I just need a person's face and, and not, you know, yes, your logo can be your, your icon on your Facebook page, but you need to have part of the, the human element on, on your content. Because when you look at it, whenever you're making an ask from the business or the, they're coming to contact you, they, they want to talk to the human. They know that you're, you're going to be talking to a human. We kinda, can't be shying away from that anymore. And I think that it's hard from big businesses and small businesses. I, I try to get this implemented at IBM and it's like, we're IBM. We've been here for 65 years. Well, I polled people under the age of 30, majority of them, 80% of them didn't even know IBM was still in business. 
And how do we fix that? We put human faces on the IBM products and the IBM experiences. And so bringing that to the boring business side, you, the reason that these boring businesses are there is because there are people running it that are working their tails off that maybe it's a family business, maybe it's a story, maybe you had a bad service, you just try to create your own business to solve that problem. I think adding a human face and telling a story of why, your underlying why of what you're in business for is a perfect place to start and a must-have. When I was living in Phoenix, we, it's a huge small business community, as you know, and um, there's the mantra that's attached to, um, I, I rather actually, I first learned about the statement, people do business with those they know, like, and trust from BNI groups, networking. And I learned to do business by networking. I probably, when I first started out with my business way back in the day, I didn't get any business probably for the first few years from my website. I got it from that in-person networking. So everyone in this networking community, in this community of Phoenix knew me as Desiree, social media, like they were like synonymous. And so they didn't, it was like, oh, if you need social media, you talk to Desiree. And it wasn't even like about the company name or who it was. They just knew that if you wanted it done right, you called me you know, to get that work or get that consulting or that coaching or whatever it was. I think that people just like forget, like now that we have the internet is like the central focus of marketing that we forget that we're like people. Right. And I think, and, and, you know, and, a, and a stat to back that up. And this is, you know, I, and I love that because that's, that's the, my, my story is always, but the only reason my dad told me to play golf growing up was because business was done on the golf course. So I learned golf. And so the thing that I always try to remind people is, is what, what was great. You didn't talk business at, at the golf course. You never talked about exactly what you did. You built that relationship. You, they, they looked you in the eyes and, and you built that trust. And it wasn't even like, Hey, I want to do business. It was like, wait, your business can solve my problem. And I already trust you. Right. And I think in the digital world today, we have to take that approach because this is the stat I love that it's just recently, it was from January this year and it's from um, Eventbrite, just put it out. But three out of four people under the age of 36 years old are, would rather spend their money on an experience than a product that they desire. And what that mean? What I mean by that is that idea that they're that experience, right? The experience comes with trust, right? And how do I create that experience? And the question I pose to every audience I speak in front of is, which group are you marketing to online? Three fourths of this younger generation, or the one fourth that just wants to know what you do? What what's the you know? Give me the bells and whistles. Give me your experiences. Tell me your your product features. The other three quarters, they want to know the person. They want to know the experience. They want to know you know. It's this idea, and I think for whatever reason, the digital world became a disconnect. And I, I argue that we now should be using social to shrink the distance that we created in the digital world over the last nine years. Yeah. So now that we know what we should be doing online by building that trust, having that face and building that like that rapport with our audience of every age, every demographic, how do we ask people to, to buy from us? It's such a taboo. Like we're not supposed to ask for anything. Like how, how do the boring businesses use social to make money? So I think this, you know, and this is one that I, you know, I'm going to rely, I'm going to actually have a book here that I'm going to, so there's a book called exactly how to sell. And it's from a good friend of mine. His name's Phil M. Jones. And he has a book. His first book was exactly what to say. And the second one is exactly how to sell. And he has a great line in here. And it is, it's one of my favorite lines is that you will never get paid more than what you ask for. Right. And, and I, it's kind of genius. It's kind of simple. It's kind of genius. But part of this ask in social media is that I, I think the, 
there's a there's a bad reputation for automation or for automating things. And my I always say that automation is not bad. The configurators, the users, the humans that set up automation are bad, right? Like it's not automation itself. And so when you're thinking about making these asks, you have to start asking yourself, and this is my whole think like a fan um, mindset is if you put yourself in your fans shoes, when are you most likely to make a purchase? What part of the journey or the research or the engagement, right? The idea that someone just likes your page or they sign up for your email address, most of the time they're signing up there because they want to learn more information or they want to draw that connection. Spamming them immediately at that moment is not a place to to make that ask, right? Because we don't like that in the real world. I mean, the reason that you know Best Buy or some of these stores in the States went from commission-based to non-commission-based is because their employees would get in your face and follow you around the store. And I mean, I hated buying furniture because I'm like, leave me alone. Like I'll buy whenever I'm I'm inspired to buy. But in the social space, I look at this and say, start looking at telltale. So my favorite stat to, look, to study is what I call repeat viewership. And what repeat viewership means, and, and I use it in the video sense, but you can use it even if you don't use video. Maybe it's your website, maybe it's your email list. Look at people that may, maybe you have your, on your weekly email newsletter that have opened three out of your four emails, right? They've all of a sudden, I call that repeat viewership or repeat engagement. They've, they've been taking action, not just once, not just the initial time they sign up, but they're doing so kind of in a way where you're like, well, everyone's time is busy. If they're, if they're spending that time to do these three, th- open my email three out of four times, they must be further along on the cycle than someone else, right? And then kind of reaching out to them then. Or for me, like on video, I do a lot of video content with brands. When we watch someone consume over 30 minutes of content twice in a month, we send them a, a Facebook message and say, I'm so glad you must be engaged. Do you know that we have this white paper and this service available for you to purchase, right? And the, and the reason that doesn't have to, I don't have to be fluffy with it. I can be a little bit direct, but the reason I can be direct on that is because I've already looked at the data and they're spending the time there, right? Like one of the things I like to, do, to track is even, you know, tracking someone's viewership on my website. I like heat mapping and, and some things where you're like, wow, people keep coming back. Or maybe someone shares out your content twice in a month or, or even better yet, maybe they send you, you know, two messages asking you, you know, inquiries, but they're not really asking about your product. They just, they have two things they're asking you questions about. Maybe it's that, it's that idea when you have someone's attention, especially captured attention, I think then that's where we make the ask. There are some tools to automate that, which you know I think if you use them correctly, you can. But that's where I go for repeat viewership. Start listening for someone that is making that attempt to be part of it, and then kind of counterbalancing that with a straight ask. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back after a quick commercial break. This podcast is brought to you by All in One Social Media. All the social media your business needs, starting at one hundred and twenty-five dollars a month. All-in-One started with a mission to put military spouses to work anywhere they are stationed in the world while making fair wages with job flexibility no matter what military life demands of them. With packages starting at just $125 a month, All-in-One will help your business grow through social media with custom graphics, daily posts, targeted Facebook advertising and more. All-in-One's packages cover all your social media marketing needs with unlimited support and feedback as well as advice for posting and marketing that you can do yourself. Head to allinonesocialmedia.com today to find the package that's right for you. That's allinonesocialmedia.com. And now back to the show. So what are the like appropriate ways then to contact people? Again, Facebook kind of frowns upon you like directly reaching out to people like in messenger and messenger or asking them 
directly on the on like the newsfeed or something for like, hey, what's your can I message you or hey, I sent you a message or an email or whatever that may be. Or I know it's a lot easier in the other platforms on like Twitter and Instagram where you can just like at them or on YouTube you can just go through the comments and, and find their profile. So what do you think since since Facebook I feel is like probably the number one place that boring businesses start out, what's the appropriate way to contact these people that are already fans of you? So on Facebook now, um, one of the nice things about video or live video, anybody that comments on a video or live video on your Facebook page, for you as the Facebook page owner, you can actually message them directly from that. So your and the message comes from your brand, your page account it doesn't come from your individual account. So to me, that's one of the ones, right? And and the question then becomes, how do you foster that? that comment, that engagement? How do I get somebody to ask? And that's where, you know, I start creating, and this is, I mean, I'm giving a whole talk about this this week uh, in social media marketing world, where Facebook is rewarding, they're changing the reward system from engagement to meaningful interactions. And I think this is powerful. But what the hell does that mean? Especially you're a boring business, like, wait a second, I'm just figuring out engagement and likes and all these things. Well, what meaningful interaction means, and the reason they're rewarding that is it's a a comment or a question that is thought out. And then it, it spurs another other comment or question, almost kind of like the old school forum threaded responses. And so one of the things that I think there is that, you know, don't be afraid to make the inquiry and say, hey, I, I would love to, to connect and give you more information. Can I send you a message? To me, one of the problems that we do, and, and this is part of the reason I'm not a huge, like email marketing is, is massively powerful. I'm never going to underestimate that. I don't like the way people use email marketing or the opt-in list as the only entry point. Because if you're engaging with me on Facebook and I'm asking you questions and then you say, well, here's a link to my website to opt into an email for me to spam your email inbox, the, the consumer is like, well, wait a second. I just created this great rapport with you. I'm much more likely to like your Facebook page or to allow you to message me on Facebook than I am for you to take me somewhere else which then is just giving you another map in, right? And so my, my saying is, and I every CRM system that I work with, with a client, I always tell them one of the fields you need to create is where does this person contact you, right? So if it's Facebook, Facebook. If it's Twitter, Twitter. If it's email marketing, if it's cold through my email, whatever it is, I want to know where their preferred location of communication is. Because if you want your ask to be answered favorably, it's not about communicating in your way. <laughs> it's about communicating on the way that the, the, the customer sh- enjoys being contacted in, right? And so you need to make, you know, I say, keep it simple, stupid. If you're having the conversation on that platform, do your best to keep it there. Now, I'm not saying if someone sends me a Twitter DM and it gets into a heavy conversation that I don't give them my email address. But what I don't do with my clients is you're not selling them the opt-in at that point. You're telling them, let's just take the conversation to something that's more personal. Maybe it's a video conference or what it is. But I think you have to start thinking about it. How do I continue the conversation where they've already initiated the conversation, which is for the most part, if you have a Facebook page, you can start doing some of these things about, you know, direct messaging it or even commenting underneath and saying, hey, this is Brian. Uh, I'm helping, you know, I'm running this Facebook page. I love that question. Would you like to get on a call or maybe we can exchange email addresses? Like that's that's a great way of doing it. That doesn't found, sound, feel pushy or shady or all of a sudden my email pops up because you ripped it from my public LinkedIn profile and you sent me an email. Like that is the bad way of making an ask. The good way is kind of doing it in that channel where they're already engaging. I also think it's really important to like, um, don't make them do more work. Like, you know, they're already there. You already have their attention. Like you can collect their data 
later, like after like you've continued to establish that relationship and, you know, they're probably more comfortable like you emailing them. Cause I know for me, I don't, I don't want to say that like, I'm like my email is guarded, but I get really irritated when people contact me in the wrong ways or excessively, or as, as you talked about in the podcast that brought you to me, they don't take the time to find out what I do for business and then ask me to do the exact bit, ask to do the exact business I already do. So yes. especially in this space, the amount of emails we get that are, that are, are, are offering the services that we already offer. And I think that's, you know, for every business, right? Every boring business. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're a plumber, right? The idea that someone is, is contacting, engaging you on that platform. If you send them somewhere else, ultimately you're sending them to a place where it's probably filled with other inquiries they've had for plumbers, right? And and for me, it's like, if I'm standing out and they took the time to engage here, I want to keep that attention there as long as I can physically make that happen. Because as soon as I send them back into the the abyss, now they're now I'm playing with every email. Now I'm playing, I'm fighting all of these other things. And I think it is a little bit of, you know, I have, a, I have just a hashtag I use all the time is show you care, right? You know, if, if you're worried about making that ask, take a step, one step further, and just listen a little bit to, you know, what, what are, what are they truly ask? Maybe what's what they're not saying in their question that you can comment back, right? Maybe they're, they're asking these three questions, but you're like, Ooh, I think there's an element there. That they're not saying, let me see if I can give them a link or provide value to help them solve a problem. Cause you'd be amazed. You help them, you help a, a potential customer solve a, a problem that is in the right now. They're, they are so much more likely to come to you when they need you or buy you right then at that moment because you've helped them solve another problem. And the problem might be something as simple as, I don't know if I should buy this part at Lowe's or Home Depot. And you help them say, hey, this is where you're going to do it. And remember, if that job gets too hard, you know that's what my company does is the service because now you're helping them get that part. And ultimately, they probably could have Googled to figure that out, but they now associate you allowing them to do that. And then when they buy that part, they go to fix the plumbing and they realize, oh my God, I need a plumber. I'm not really good at this. And just because I watched the video doesn't mean I can install this part. They're going to go, oh, the person that helped me figure out the part and get to this part of my journey was this plumber. I'm now going to reach out, right? And I think those are the weird little things that by doing those short wins, they buy you such long equity and social media is such a great place to do those. Yes. I preach, Brian, preach. (laughs) Um, so I think this like the last like pit, the last pit, last bit of this is what is the best way to get my cell in front of like more people? Like, uh, and I, and this is specifically on like an advertising place, because again, the point of all this is to be in business to make money. So we have this fantastic tool with Facebook advertising and Google um, CPMs and all that kind of stuff. What, how, what is the right way to do that? Like, what should we do with that space to ask for the sell in a paid ad? So, I mean, I think getting that direct, like understanding that audience at their core and customizing your ad to be directly, you know, the thing that drives me a little bit crazy in this space is that we know custom audiences, we can build pixels and, and do a lot of these things, true advertising, but yet we make the ad general. If we know the exact audience and the exact audience's pain points that we're trying to solve, make the ad that direct, right? And so, you know, and it goes beyond just knowing their persona. And then the other part of it, don't be afraid to add that personal 
touch, not the not the shady touch where you feel like you know more information about them than they they wanted to like you know to reveal. I see you were at Starbucks at ten a.m. yesterday. You should totally get my new cup that goes with that. (laughs) Yes, like like, wait a second. I should I wait. Where did that information come from? But you know, I think this is the piece where I I mean I think video ads are are beautiful, right? I think video ads from the first person point of view are exceptionally beautiful, right? The idea where you're you know why not be the the face on the camera walking someone through the problem you're helping solve and you get to like kind of walk through it and say hey i i know that you know you know let's just say there's a flood and there's a flood in it and you know this area of the town is flooded and you're targeting an ad to say hey i can help them out why not show how you're helping them and why not put the human face on because part of that marketing could be really you know if you're advertising there people will some people are going to do it in a way that is taking advantage of other people's problems right and that's how it's going to feel but if you put a human face on and say hey I feel with you. I'm I'm here with you, or I've I've helped other people that are like you, or here's a testimonial of two people that I helped that are also going through what you have, what you're going through, right? And I think this is the part where I believe great advertising ultimately comes down to how do I shrink that distance, that barrier, but how do I humanize the conversation without it being that blurred line? And I and I do think it's the, the human aspect. And this comes from you know, this is those sexy businesses and the boring businesses where it's when I see an ad, I want to know what's in it for me. And sadly, a lot of ads talk about it and say, this is why we are great. And then the consumers looking and go, well, that's great. Everyone's great. And my tagline, this is something I, I example I use. Every city you travel to has the world's greatest pizza. Every city, like world's greatest pizza. Marketers have like literally taken that and put it on every billboard, on every sign. And we, we even get direct marketing and advertising that says it's the world's greatest pizza. Nobody believes that anybody who touts their pizza as the world's greatest is the world's greatest. But if you're a pizza place and you are targeting your ads or a certain area, maybe a sporting event or something that's in your, your town, why not put the person that you know makes the pizza or the founder of the company in an ad and say, I know that everyone claims the world's greatest pizza. Let us explain why our pizza is amazing because guess what? Now I'm going to say, oh, that's interesting. Or what Domino's did. Domino's took and said, here are 15 of the worst reviews of Domino's pizza that inspired our new pizza. Well, if you get Pizza Hut telling me they're great and another pizza place telling me they're great and Domino's tells me what inspired them to change the recipe with all of these really bad reviews, all of a sudden I'm going, they get it. They relate to me. I'm going to click on that ad you know, 10 times more than an ad that's telling me they're great or pushing their product. So don't be afraid. I think this is that, and, and I'm, and I'm guilty of it. I didn't play in advertising. Advertising was over my head and, you know, I've watched Mad Men. I, I didn't, and <laughs> it, it wasn't until like the last three or four years where I started realizing what I work with brands great on is telling their story in a relatable way. And all of a sudden I said, wait a second, an ad allows me to truly know those people's pain points. Well, now the storytelling is even easier. Where before it was like, well, you don't storytell in the ad because the ad's going to get it right in front of that audience. Well, now I beg the difference because nobody likes being disrupted. Nobody likes being told what to do. Nobody trusts a logo. But if you're able to help, if you're able to, to humanize that ad and video, I, I mean, I, I am a huge vi- uh, believer in video, that that is the key, right? And, and it, you might say, well, Brian, what am I going to talk about on video? And this is, I'll answer that question right away. Let interview your customers, interview your employees, have someone talking about your product on video. That's not you. Maybe that's a great way to start, right? Because everyone's like, I don't like video. Well, I never said you have to be the only person on it, right? Don't be afraid to bring in your customer testimonials, bring in, you know, kind of real-time feedback. And, you know, the thing about video and it's why my tagline is press the damn button is that you will not figure out how to make video work 
and video will not have power for you until you actually press the button. And you have to get over the fear. Everyone hates watching themselves on video. Video is never good out of the gate. Um, and I, I, I use this, and I'll kind of wrap up this answer to this, is perfection is a fairy tale. Nobody, no consumer believes that any brand, any product, any service is perfect. And if you can get over the fact that you need to be perfect on video, and it's it's hard, trust me, it takes it's taken a long time to get, you know, and I, I love working with, you know, companies or clients that say, you know, oh my God, I, I can't do video. And it's because they're trying to be perfect. And if you can get over that and take it to the next step and just start pressing the button and using these ads, you know, test out what works. Like I'm a big AB tester, right? I don't, I don't know if this video is going to work versus this one. Why not run an ad that shows kind of, you know, both of them and Facebook, let's face it, their custom audiences and ad manager is amazing at, at doing this for you. But uh, I, my answer is truly like, don't be afraid to humanize and storytell in your ads especially because you know who's actually going to see that content. I also think it's important to remember that essentially what you just said is your ad shouldn't look like an ad. Correct. Because <laughs> last time I checked, nobody likes a commercial. Like, does anybody want to go back to the days before Netflix, before TiVo? No, we don't. I mean, does anybody like the idea of something? You know, like when I see a pop-up full-page ad on a, on a uh, New York Times or whatever, the I'm like the first thing I do is click off the website. Right? I'm like, do not disrupt my life. Do not interrupt me. And so your ad should kind of feel in there. And it's amazing. Nobody will ever say that you care too much or your ad helps me out too much, right? Think about that. Oh my God, this ad helped me too much. And, and, and Instagram and Facebook, Instagram's another one on that world where you can use, I mean, Instagram, the, the people are so willing to take action if you are able to kind of help them some, through something initially on, on, a, on an ad. And I mean, that, the, the brands that I work with, we find amazing value in simply helping and then allowing a call to action in the ad that, that inspires that next piece. And, and you do have to ask, but you, it's not about shoving the ask in their face and disrupting with the ask, but tell the why so that the ask kind of feels like the how, right? The why, why it should be valuable. And then they get to the end and you're like, oh my goodness. And then you say, here's how you, you solve this problem and hire us, right? And now it's not what, right? Because we, we just throw the what. This is what we do. This is why we're the best. Well, why should, it, why should you care, the consumer? And then the how to, how to help me or help us solve your problem. And that's when an ad turns into magic. Awesome. Well, Ryan, you have just very colorfully and educationally told us how we can... As for the sell in social, do you have any like closing thoughts on it? Like any like reassure us and still some fire under our butts? Sure. So it is, it's that element of perfection's a fairy tale, right? I think um, in this world, you know, we hear words like transparency and authenticity and trust. And it, it's all kind of scary, right? Because it's like, wait a second. these. But I ask, I always challenge people, what works in your business offline? Probably it's, hey, if someone comes and hires us and they get my employees inside their inside of their home and we're helping helping them, they hire us every single time. Or if we get them into our brick and mortar store and they meet me at the, at the counter, they might not buy something that time, but they're going to buy every other time. My question is, how do we make that same feeling and experience online? And I do believe we have the tools to do so. You do not need a, a big budget. I, I live stream 28 hours with the Super Bowl via my mobile phone. So if I could use this for the Super Bowl, if I could live stream and use Facebook Live via my phone for the Super Bowl, every boring business has no excuse to not be able to, to just use their phone because it's an element now where we don't believe perfection. And then last but not least is that we, the, the, it is that people buy from people they like, but they buy from people they relate to. 
don't be afraid to, to put yourself out there. Even making, sometimes making the ask like, hey, business is down a little bit this month. I don't know if people are having less problems, but does anyone know of people that, that might need our services? Like putting yourself out there, it seems vulnerable. It seems not the normal thing to do. I, I always say like your website should have an I don't know page or an I don't do page because you should put out there what you don't know or what you don't do because then it adds validity to what you do do or do know. And I think the, to end, I, I, I really do believe get over that fear, push the button, remember that you don't need to be perfect. And that's when you start making digital as powerful as those offline experiences that have built your business today. Awesome. All right, Brian, how can people find you, follow you and become part of your fans? Sure. So um, you plug my, my podcast, FOMO Fans, F-O-M-O-F-A-N-Z or a Z at the end. Um, but consistency is also important. I preach that in social media as well. So I social fans, a letter I social fans. I'm that on every single channel. So you don't have to follow me everywhere. Follow me, pick one of them that you prefer to engage on. So if it's Instagram or LinkedIn or uh, Facebook or uh, Twitter. It's iSocial fans on every one of those networks. Um, I love engaging, connecting with people. And uh, I, I always put this challenge out to people and you guys can take me up on it is uh, I do believe live video is powerful for every single brand and industry, no matter what your company is, even if you're a boring business. So if you believe that, hey, wait, I can't do live video. Nowhere live video fits in my strategy. You know, send me a, a tweet, send, tweet at me at iSocial fans or any of those other channels and just say, hey, Brian, this is my business. I don't believe that you could come up with a strategy and I will make a personal guarantee that I will reply and give you some ideas to do it. And I, I threw this out there uh, on stage the very first time and I had a mortuary follow up with me and the mortuary was like, you can't do that for us. We did 10 live streaming biz, uh, uh, videos, the most engaged, most powerful the audience have done. They've just done their 40th video and it's a mortuary that kind of, that took me up on that offer. So, uh, you know, I appreciate you having me on and for your audience, you know, feel free to take up that challenge. I, I love to, uh, to find unique ways to uh, help brands leverage live video. Awesome. Guys, go take up that. Brian, Brian's a man. All right. All right, guys. Thank you again for listening. If you liked what you had to hear today, make sure that you leave us some love on iTunes or Stitcher. And until next time, I will see you soon. Thanks for listening to Marketing for Your Boring Business. If you like this episode, please leave a review on iTunes or share this episode on social media. Want more? Subscribe to automatically get the latest episodes of Marketing for Your Boring Business. This podcast was presented by All-in-One Social Media. All the social media your business needs starting at $125 a month.